What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Bleeding B&G Podcast, episode 94. So I guess you can call this our Deron Payne episode. But before we get too deep into this episode, as always, if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to comment, be sure to like, and be sure to subscribe. As I mentioned, though, this is episode 94, and we're going to call this On a Mile High. Because that's exactly what I'm on after the Washington Commanders defeated the Denver Broncos 35-33 in a mile-high thriller, to say the least. Uh, so before, before we get into the recap of the game, to give you a timestamp as I do for every episode, it's about 11 p.m. on Sunday, September the 17th. And as I mentioned, we're, uh, we're about three hours removed from the Washington Commanders going 2-0, um, 2-0 in the Harris Ownership Group era undefeated um, in the Harris Ownership uh, Group era. And, you know, our guy Sam Howell has started his career 3-0. So Sam Howell is undefeated in the NFL. So it's quite a feeling, um, good vibes all around, and it's something that we haven't experienced since the 2011 season, the last time we went 2-0. Um, and oh. and that, was a, that was quite an anomaly because we had John Beck and Rex Grossman at the helm during that time. Quite different than my guy slinging Slammy, Sammy Howell at the – Hell, um, so let's go ahead and get into this recap. As always, we start with the with the quarterback. But before we get into the quarterback, I just want to shout out the team, man. The team showed resi- resiliency in this win. Um, they trailed by 18 points in the first half, trailing 21 to three. And at, to be honest, if you go check our live tweets, you know we always tweeting up a storm over there on X or whatever you calling it on X now. Or if you're checking us out on Instagram on our updates and things like that, we were going through it in the first half. I said that I was going to start getting ready for my work week by the end of the first quarter because the end of the first quarter was about as bad as it can get if you were a Washington Commander fan. But but that's the roller coaster ride that I've come all accustomed to as a Washington Commander, Washington Redskins, Washington football team fan in my 27, soon to be 28 years of life and being a Washington Commander fan. Um, it was a typical slow start for the defense. Um, you know, something that we've been accustomed to under the, you know, Jack Del Rio um, era and, you know, the Ron Rivera era as well. But those guys, those guys, you know, brought it together. They, they brought it together um, to go on to win the game. So let's get into this. Like I said, we always start with the quarterback. My guy, slinging Sammy Howe. Sam Howe with 27 for 39. 299 yards. He was one yard short of that, you know, 300-yard passing benchmark, without which I would have loved him to have. Um, that 200, uh, he had two touchdowns, excuse me, and he had a 108.8 passer rating. He showed heart. He, he, the theme for Sam Howe is the theme that I had for the Washington Commanders today. They show resiliency and they show heart. Um, he had 30 first-half pass attempts, and no, by no means was he sharp in the first half, or no means was he perfect in the first half. Um, Sam Sam had a tendency to hold the ball way longer than it needed to be in the first half, something that you know we saw in preseason and we saw um, come over or you know turn its head in the week one um, win against the Arizona Cardinals as well, where that was the theme of the first half. I think the Denver Broncos had three sacks in the first half, um, and I think that two of them were honestly just because Sam Howell was holding on the ball for too long. Um, that he had 33 dropbacks as compared to seven rushing attempts. So we see what Eric Bieniemy wants to do, and I'm going to get into Eric Bieniemy in a second because Bad Boy was in his big bag today. My God, was EB in his big bag today. But going back to Sam, um, and, and like I said, Sam was sharp. 
Uh, I think I, I I misspoke. Sam was very sharp in the first half, but those him holding on to the ball, those sacks along with Charles Leno just being complete ass, turn what were promising drives into like drive killers, right? Those sacks are drive killers. Um, there's a philosophy that like a sack is worth like two to three points every game, and you saw that in the first half. You know, he took that sack in the first half that pushed his back, um, and we missed the field goal. Um, coming out with a very strong drive to open up and things like that. Um, but as I mentioned, Sam showed resiliency. He had 30 passing attempts in the first half compared to only nine in the second half, but he was just as efficient with those passing attempts in the second half that he was with the first. And... Let me tell you here right now, the throws, the touchdown throws to Logan Thomas and the touchdown throws to Terry McLaurin are some of the best throws that I've seen from a Washington quarterback since Kirk Cousins, right? Um, he threw it to where Logan Thomas can only get it, you know, a six, seven tight end. Um, and then fucking Kareem Jackson wanted to act like a damn lunatic and launch his head at Logan Thomas's head, launch his, launch his own head at Logan Thomas's head. So get well soon, Logan. But Sam threw it where only Logan can get the ball. And then the throw to Terry McLaurin in damn near triple coverage on the post route was a thing of beauty. I haven't seen a throw executed by a Washington commander, Washington quarterback of that nature in years. And it was beautiful to see. That's what happens when you give your playmakers, your, your pro bowl receivers a chance. Something that Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke just didn't do last year or didn't do enough and efficiently enough. Taylor Heineke was good for a YOLO ball, and that's, yeah, you're giving him a chance. But, I mean, how efficient is that when you're throwing it up for, for, for grabs, right? That throw, the uh, touchdown throw to Terry McLaurin, the 37-yard touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin was a dime. It was a dot. It was a dot. He showed pinpoint accuracy. He waited for the play to, um, to draw out. Um, he waited for all his concepts to go. And that's something that I think that Sam is really good at. He's really good at going through all his reads. Now, that sometimes does lead into him having, you know, hold on to the ball, resulting in some of the sacks that we saw in the first half. But I think that he's really good at going through all of his reads, you know, trying to extend the play for as long as possible. As I mentioned in the first episode last week or last week's episode, he has a lot of confidence in his legs. So I think that he can extend um, plays where I might not think that he can or us as fans might not think that he can. He has a lot of faith. Sam has a lot of athletic confidence in extending plays, and you saw that in some of the plays that he um, extended today, using his legs to pick up a first down on third and ten, which is huge, which was huge. Using his legs to, to extend plays, get out of sacks. Um, I, 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 I can vividly remember, I think it was in the second half, he had Randy Gregory's big ass dragging all on him. Sam just holding up, holding up, holding up until he can find the angle to get the ball out to throw it out of bounds. So that just shows some athletic arrogance. That shows the, the the toughness that I have in my quarterback. And this is all the reasons why I think that we might have found a quarterback in the future, guys. We might have found a quarterback in the future. As I mentioned, he's 3-0. He's undefeated in his NFL career. So what more do you want from him? What more do you want from him? As I, as I mentioned before, um, he didn't have a perfect half in the first half. But he was sharp. He was moving the offense efficiently. We got in some drives where, you know, we stalled out with missed field goals and things like that. Got in some drives where we had bad field position. But we were never I, – I never – even though we were down by 18 points, I never thought that, oh, this is bad quarterback play. This is the result of us while we're being down. Now, it was some poor offensive line play in the first half, and we're going to get into that. Trust me. We're going to get into that. But I, by no means do I think that outside of him holding on to the ball um, too long on a couple of occasions – 
a few occasions, specifically three occasions. Um, I think that Sam had a superior game. If I'm if I'm grading him on a full game metric, I'll give him an A, A minus. I'll give him an A, A minus. This is a guy who threw for damn near 300 passing yards with no turnovers in his first game, in his first NFL road start. In his first NFL road start, what more do you want from a young quarterback? What more do you want from a young quarterback? And I'll I'll I'll, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. I might have a tank for Caleb Williams tweet out there in the first half. But guess what? I think we more than found a, a guy in slinging Sammy Howe. If he keeps showing this resiliency, keeps showing this perseverance, and keep you know coming out on top, because every game that he started, Sam Howe has come out on top. There's no reason why I would question why I, I don't think that he has the capabilities of being the quarterback of the future. Now, moving on to the run game. And shout out to Brian Robinson and shout out to Antonio Gibson because the community was harsh on you guys, myself included, because we were rather underwhelmed with that week one debut between the both of you guys. But Ryan, Brian Robinson heard the critics and Brian Robinson proved me right for this one game. For this one game, as I told you that Brian Robinson in one of our training camp hot take episodes, I said that Brian Robinson might be in line for top 10 running back production this year. Well, he showed the capabilities of that today with 129 total yards and two touchdowns. Not only doing it in the run game, we had over 80 yards, but he had over 40 yards in the passing game as well. Something that you would have never thought that Brian Robinson had the capabilities of doing if you watched him in that Scott Turner offense last season where they barely threw him the ball. But if you go back and watch his film in Alabama, this is a guy that showed capable hands at Alabama. Even though he didn't get a lot of targets, he made the most of them. This is a guy that I told you when we were boots on the ground in training camp. He was making plays in the passing game. He was making plays in the passing game every day that we were there. Not only in the flats, not only in the checkdowns, he was catching angle routes, he was catching Texas routes. And guess what? Him and Antonio Gibson killed the screen game today. Shout out to Eric Bieniemy. As I told you, Eric Bieniemy was in his big bag. They said that he known he had known the uh, the Broncos defensive coordinator Vance Joseph for over forty years. Well, guess what? It showed. It showed. He had Vance, Vance Joseph over there flabbergasted all of the second half. Every time that Vance Joseph was sent out some all out pressure. Oh, Screen pass right over your head. Up. Oh, screen pass Brian Robinson. Up. Oh, screen pass Antonio Gibson. Up. Oh, screen pass to the tight end. Antonio, I mean, Eric Bieniemy was in his big bag this afternoon. Eric Bieniemy was in his big bag. And this is a guy that y'all didn't want to give an NFL head coaching job? I saw Will Blackman tweet that he was the best in-game adjuster um, offensive coordinator in the game right now. And I tend to agree. You saw what he did in the Super Bowl with the whip motion, with the mock whip motion. Going against the Phillies when they run, when he was identifying that they were running man against those motions and things, exploiting that. I I agree that Eric Bieniemy is the best in game adjuster in the NFL right now at this moment. More reason why I think that he's going to be the head coach in the future, but I'm not going to bring that up right now because it's great vibes going all around. My man Coach Rivera did have his 100th win today. And this is great vibes. Like I said, we ain't started 2-0 since 2011, bro. Browns in 11th grade in 2011, bro. Like, what? This is, this is amazing. This is, this, is really, this is really something that I haven't really experienced. Because as I mentioned before, when we were 2-0 in the 2011 season, you knew that that was an anomaly. You knew that that was a facade. 
with John Beck and Rex Grossman at the helm. But I think we have something in my boy Slinger sent me out, as I mentioned before. But going to the run game, Antonio Gibson some, showed some explosion that I haven't seen since 2020, to be honest. Yeah, I know you guys are going to tell me about his 80-yard screen pass in 2021, but guess what? That was the only play he had like that that season. That 37-yard screen pass that he uh, showed explosiveness on, change of direction speed. Because I had mentioned in the first half, it seemed like Antonio Gibson was in the doghouse. Because not only was he was he not getting carries, he didn't seem to be in on the passing reps as well. Brian Robinson was in on a lot of third downs in the first half. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, man. That boy Gibby fumbled once. Now he in the doghouse. Eric Bieniemy told the boys that he wasn't playing with him. But when Antonio Gibson got his chance, he made the most of it. As I mentioned, I haven't seen that explosiveness from Antonio Gibson since 2020. And, you know, we've always been an advocate about getting Antonio Gibson the ball in space because good things happen. And if you can do that in an effective basis, while well, continuing to have Brian Robinson have these games where he goes for 130 almost total yards, being a fantasy darling, the boys in my fantasy group chat, hey, hey, man, you done told us about Brian Robinson. He down there putting up 30 points today. We told you over here, Bleeding BNG, we told you to pick up Brian Robinson. We told you. He wants some guys a fantasy matchup today. But Sam was decisive with the ball, man. Sam, he played point guard at uh he played point guard of the offense today. He was giving it to whoever was open. He wasn't force feeding guys. We were throwing at Patrick Sertan. Not only with Terry McClure, we were throwing at Patrick Santan with De'Ami Brown. That shows you how much faith we have in our guys. We were completing passes on big, bad Patrick Sertan with De'Ami Brown. That shows you how deep this receiver core goes, man. I told you wide receiver one, Terry McLaurin, as I mentioned, being a goddamn dog. What was the saying last year? Shit, Terry down there somewhere. Fuck it, Terry down there somewhere. But it didn't look like Sam Howell did that this this uh, today because he threw it with a little bit of accuracy. He actually threw it with a little bit of accuracy. But going over with the receiving yards, going over with the receiving yards, as I said, Sam was a point guard. I think we had about nine different uh, guys have receptions today. Terry McLaurin had five receptions for 54 yards. John Bates, three for 46. Antonio Gibson, three for 44. Brian Robinson, two for 42. So as I mentioned those running backs, so let me go to the screen pack. Let me go back to the screen game. You see what happens when you're able to have offensive guards and interior linemen that are able to move in space? Where you don't have Jurassic Park as Andrew Norwell and Dinosaur as Trey Turner out there trying to block my grandmother in space? Where you got athletic freaks like Sam Cosme and Sadiq Charles out there in, in, the, in the run lanes for screen passes. You see how beneficial the screen game can be? When you're not calling them in predictable scenarios like a Scott Turner was doing last year. Or when you know that the defense is going to give you an all-out blitz because you've been making adjustments because you've been studying like Eric Bieniemy has done. Where he knows the all-out blitz is coming. Boop. Boop. Let me throw that screen right over his head. That's what it looked like all in the second half. You get a screen. You get a screen. You get a screen. You get a screen. Boop. Right over their head. Boop. Right over their head. I told y'all Eric B. Enemy was in his big bag today. And we finally have the playmakers. 
and we finally have a scheme that's going to utilize these playmakers. Because that's what? All these playmakers were here last year. Now, I know we had a lot of the shitty quarterback play. Trust me. Trust me. I am not, I am not dismissing that by any means. But I think that the scheme that we used last year wasn't inducive to, uh, you know, maximizing these guys' abilities and maximizing these guys' capabilities. As I mentioned, Sadiq Charles looks like a damn all-pro guard now. We've been waiting for this for four years. Is it the scheme? Is it the coaching development? I mean, Travell Warren's been here for a couple of years. I would lean the scheme because we have an offensive coordinator that's going to coach through his guys' abilities. Charles Leno getting his ass whooped. All right, we're going to throw a screen over your head. All right, quick game. You see that he wants to throw the ball, right? This is a running back that wants to throw. This is an old school running back that wants to throw the ball because he's up with modern day NFL. Now, 33 drop back to seven rush ratio in the first half is a little crazy. Trust me, it is a little crazy. But you were down. And it's not like that you had the run game that you had the ultimate faith in that you thought are like, oh yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of game left. We can still stick to the run game. I understand it. But guess what? When we got back into the game, he got back in his big bag. He got more balance. Brian Robinson start toting. We've had Chris Rodriguez in there as a fullback. Lee Barkin for Brian Robinson touchdowns. This is what happens when you utilize all of your playmakers. Now, touching back onto the offensive line real quick, as I mentioned, I've already touched on Sadiq Charles and Sam Cosby. Nick Gates is a fucking goon. I love Nick Gates. Give Nick Gates a lifetime contract. Nick Gates is a fucking thug in a good way. In a great way. Because as you saw, Kareem Jackson's old idiotic ass launch himself into Logan Thomas. Who was the first one getting into Kareem Jackson's face? And my boy Sadiq Charles getting into the mix too. Ever since, I will admit, ever since I called them big boys out in that Ravens fight reaction video, the big boys been with all the smoke since. They was with the smoke last week in Arizona and they been with the smoke today. I told you they been watching Bleeding BNG. They be watching Bleeding BNG over there in Ashburn. Ever since I called Nick Gates out, Nick Gates has been with all the shits. Nick Gates has been with all the shits and all the smokes. Andrew Wiley plays solid today, but Charles Leno, you fucking suck, bro. Charles Leno is a bottom three starting tackle in the NFL, and I'm being starting left tackle in the NFL, and I'm being generous. Let me let me restate that. Charles Leno is a bottom three starting left tackle in the NFL, and I'm being generous. Thank God we got a guy like Eric Bieniemy who can scheme around your sorry ass. But guess what? Ron Rivera, we told you that Charles Leno was ass all, all season. We told you that last season. So it's not like you didn't have the time. And it's not like you didn't have the resources to upgrade at the position. But guess what? Now we're 2-0. So guess what? The trade deadline is not for another six weeks. You have time to improve this roster. So upgrade at that position and get Cameron Cheeseman to fuck off my team. I've never met a log snapper that forgot how to snap. 
What the fuck? We traded up for this trash can. Cam Cheeseman cost me at least three points today. Maybe six. Because I know the snap on the first miss was fucking putrid. My little sister could have got the ball back there better than that. And she's six. How do we trade up for this guy that's supposed to be a generational type long snapper and he forgets how to fucking snap? Make it make sense to me. But it's all positive vibes because we're over here 2-0. Over here at Bleeding BNG with the Washington Commanders. I just had to go on my rant for Cameron Cheeseman, but we're back to our regularly scheduled program. Let's get into this defense, man. Let's get into this defense because they was getting their ass shellacked in the first half. I don't know if it was the altitude. I don't know what the fuck it was. But they was making, they was letting Russ cook like it was 2019. They was letting the Broncos country ride. We out here getting cooked by Marvin Mims. And I know he's tough. But he's still a rookie. If we want to be the elite defense that we've claimed to be, we cannot have them slow starts. That looked like 2021, 2022. But you know what didn't look like 2021 and 2022? It looked more so like 2023 and that takeover. That defensive line is taking over for two straight games, ladies and gentlemen. Seven sacks on the day. This defensive line has finally looked like the defensive line that we've been dreaming of for four years, guys. That we've been dreaming of since we drafted Chase Young with the second pick in the 2020 draft. Speaking of Chase Young, boy played like a damn animal today. And you know, y'all got it misconstrued like we a Chase Young hater. No, we just don't. Had the pom-poms out for guys that aren't productive. But Chase Young was more than productive today. One and a half sacks. Two tackles for loss. Couple idiotic penalties in, in the, in the uh, latter half of the game. But in that same drive that I'm talking about where he had those same penalties, him and Montez Sweat was damn near having track meets to the quarterback. It was beautiful to see. 99 and 90 playing fucking tag with the quarterback. Shit was beautiful. Shit was beautiful. Call them boys the Bash Bros. And please, Chase Young, shut me up, bro. Please shut me up. And today was a good start, but it was just a start. Because I know a lot of y'all coming at me now, a lot of y'all sub to me. Y'all ain't, ain't pulling out the axe. Y'all know. Because y'all know we troll better. Y'all know we troll better over here at Bleeding BNG. So I ain't seen too many acts, but I seen a lot of people calling out the Chase Young haters. Chase Young played amazing today. It was still only one game. Let's see if he keeps this up for the next 15 games. Let's see if he lives up to that generational tag that he got coming out of the Ohio State University. Because it looks like he regained some of that athleticism that I thought he might have lost. Chasing down Russell Wilson. And one thing that I mentioned that nobody else has mentioned, because, you know, we really no ball over here at Bleeding Me and G. Chase Young seemed super effective rushing from a two-point stance today. Give me some more of that shit. Inject that shit in my veins. Chase Young in a two-point stance? Yes, please. Yes, man. Yes, Lord. Because he's too explosive of an athlete. 
You know, 2020, he was doing that goddamn, that stutter like he was fucking Barry Sanders or some shit. I didn't see much of that today. He got ran around the edge a couple of times. But when you get 6'6", 260, running a full five, and as explosive as Chase Young can be, rushing from a two-point stance, if he gets his hands on you first, it's murder she wrote. <coughs> and it was murder she wrote for Garrett Bowles in a couple of those drives. As I mentioned, the defensive line, that first drive back from the second half, Deron played, played like a fucking man possessed. Deron Payne is a grown-ass man. Our quietest defensive lineman today was Jonathan Allen. But what we know about Jonathan Allen at this point is he's consistent enough that he's not going to have a bad game. If they not saying his name, it's because he's not making impact plays. But guess what? He's doing his job. Because John Allen's going to always do his job. Going to the linebackers. I don't know who's worse, Cody Barton or Charles Leno. I'm trying to keep a good vibes on this 2-0 podcast, but Cody Barton fucking sucks. Every Cody Barton tackle, go, go back and watch the film, guys. Every Cody Barton tackle, he catches. So what does that tell you? That's indicative of a linebacker that's always a step slow and a, and a, and a second late. But you know who wasn't a step slow in the second late? Jamie Davis. A dude that I told y'all that y'all was being too harsh on in 2022. Because we really know ball over here bleeding me and G. Yeah, that guy Jamin Davis that forced that fumble. The freak athlete Jamin Davis. Who's had two good games in a row. Yeah, I know he had that rougher in the passing penalty. Looked like he was fucking boxing on some Mike Tyson shit. Punching Russell Wilson in the head. I don't know what the hell it was. But guess what? He made up for it. He made up for it. Unlike y'all favorite Cole Holcomb last year. Oh, this this guy. This fucking guy, Cody Barton. He sucks. He sucks. I don't know. What's up with this guy? I don't know. What's up with this guy? And if Cody Barton keeps this play up, please give a, please give a call to Rashawn Evans, please. I know we hate linebackers, Jack. I know we hate linebackers, Ron. But y'all were damn linebackers. It's going to come important at some point. No matter how modern the NFL is. But going to the secondary, the secondary played solid. I mean, we did let Russell Wilson throw for 300 yards outside of that fucking Hail Mary. Hey, Jack, how many times we going to let Sean Payton's offense catch Hail Mary's on this, bro? And the reason I said Sean Payton's offense, because you guys might have forgotten when we went up against the New Orleans Saints in 2021 at the end of the half, when Marquez Callaway th- uh, threw that Hail Mary touchdown or cut that Hail Mary touchdown, Sean Payton was the coach. I'm pretty sure he was in the same type formation. So evidently he sees something against Jack Del Rio's pre-bend defense. Or he knows that Jack Del Rio's DBs are undisciplined in the Hail Mary situation. Because I don't know how the fucking a throw goes through six pair of hands off another guy's helmet. But the secondary played solid in the second half, especially. Emmanuel Forbes caught a pick after being burnt in the first half. 
I think that Emmanuel Forbes trusts his long speed too much. I think that he thinks he's prime Deion Sanders. Like, yeah, you ran a 4-3-5, bro. You not that guy, though. These guys is just as fast. Get your ass back. And we know you ain't pressing, really. So it's a shadow press, and you're really bailing. So get back. Get back. Because guess what? These guys can run. And Marvin Mims showed you that today. And this guy's more explosive than Marvin Mims in the NFL field. But he bounced back and made a play. And then he also made another play. I don't know if y'all saw that freaky one-hand interception he almost had. That was some freaky shit. Cam Curl's a damn dog. Making a hell of a play. Tackling Russell Wilson, keeping him in the end zone. Even though that shit was almost for not with them getting that damn Hail Murray. And then the first touchdown um, to Marvin Mims was a coverage breakdown. And I told y'all in real time, that was Derek Forrest. Y'all was tripping, blaming everybody else other than Derek Forrest, but y'all know we know ball over here bleeding B&G. If you go back and look at that replay, everybody else outside of Derek Forrest had dropped into his own. Derek Forrest was out there playing fucking mad. And then I forgot who it was. They went over to the sideline and they told you that Jack Del Rio was talking to Derek Forrest. I wonder why. But who was the first person to tell you that that was on Derek Forrest? Because we know ball over here bleeding B&G. But it's great vibes all around. That'll do it for this episode, man. 2-0. 2-0. On the Buffalo. I might throw somebody through a table at FedEx next week. That's how I'm feeling. On the way to 3-0. Great vibes. More content coming throughout the week. We're going to get a reaction video. I'm going to try to get some film study out. Because uh, I know some good things that showed up on tape this week. Um, but the reaction video will probably drop tomorrow. And thank you guys for tuning to another episode of the Bleeding BNG podcast. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.